Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related, from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and everything in between. They also have an extensive library of podcasts to listen to when you're done with this one. We are back this week looking at the seven deadly sins. We gotta finish this. I know, I know, I've been at it for so long now, I can't even remember what the first one I did was. But we're going to finish off today with the final three. We're going to look at greed. We're going to look at wrath. And then finally, we're going to look at the deadliest one of all, pride. So sit back, relax, and, well, get ready to sin just a little bit. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. So first up, we're going to look at something called greed. It's very similar to a few of the other sins we've looked at, such as lust or gluttony. Greed, also known as avarice, cupidity, or covetousness, is like lust and gluttony, as I just said, a sin of desire. However, greed, as seen by the church, is applied to an artificial desire and pursuit of material possessions. Thomas Aquinas wrote, greed is a sin against God, just as all mortal sins, inasmuch as man condemns things eternal for the sake of temporal things. In Dante's Purgatory, the penalties are bound and laid face down on the ground for having concentrated excessively on earthly thoughts. The hoarding of materials or objects, theft and robbery, especially by means of violence, trickery, or manipulation of authority, are all actions that may be inspired by greed. In the words of Henry Edwards, Avarice, quote, plunges a man deep into the mire of this world so that he makes it to be his god. And as defined outside Christian writings, greed is an inordinate desire to acquire or possess more than what one needs, especially with respect to material wealth. Like pride, it can lead to not just some, but all evil. Greed is one of those sins that has been written about a lot, but also there's not a lot of information on, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Everybody's touched on it, and of course there are the cultural aspects, which we're not going to go into in great detail. This is more about the seven deadly sins. We touched on Thomas Aquinas and what he said, that fun fellow who likes to shit on everything, and Dante. Now Dante's Inferno goes into a little bit more detail, but not a great deal, but we'll go over what it says anyway. In Dante's 14th century epic poem Inferno, it assigns those who committed the deadly sin of greed to punishment in the fourth of the nine circles of hell. The inhabitants are misers, hoarders, and spendthrifts. They must occasionally battle one another as well. The guiding spirit Virgil tells the poet 
these souls have lost their personality in their disorder and are no longer recognizable, saying, quote, That ignoble life which made them vile before now makes them dark and to all knowledge indiscernible. Avaricious penitents were bound and laid face down on the ground for having concentrated too much on earthly thoughts, as we discussed just moments ago. So there's a direct link between wanting everything in the world and losing your spirituality or your faith. No longer do you worship God and the religion or whatever, but you now worship the earthly objects, be it money, other kinds of wealth, like you know, having expensive paintings, or I guess today's equivalent would be a big fancy car that you really don't need with a loud engine that makes your pee-pee sound really small. Yes, that's a thing. You can sound like you have a small pee-pee. I'm looking at you, guy with a 1998 Honda Civic and a engine that explodes when you hit the gas pedal at the green light under the bridge. Yep, you're a fucking idiot, but hey, that's just my opinion and basically everybody else who doesn't own that car's opinion as well. Nevertheless, greed is one of those sins that can lead to bigger and scarier things. After all, there's nothing worse to a religion than losing your faith or worshiping something else. And greed is the perfect example of that. Second on our list today is wrath. Now, this is one that I think a lot of people have trouble with. Anger issues, rage, hatred. I mean, we just had, well, I say we, the world just experienced the 2020 United States election. And that was filled with hate and rage and abuse and all sorts of other self-destructive and outwardly destructive behaviors. We live in a time right now where I don't think wrath and anger and rage has ever really been more prevalent in modern history anyway. And by modern, I mean since World War II. Of course, there has been a huge history of rage and wrath throughout mankind's history. It's one of those things where people just don't get along for the sake of don't getting along, and then next thing you know, there's genocides and hate crimes and segregation and isolation and just abuse of power to those who are different. So this is a a touchy one, we should say. But wrath can be defined as uncontrolled feelings of anger, rage, and even hatred. Wrath often reveals itself in the wish to seek vengeance. In its purest form, wrath presents with injury, violence, and hate that may provoke feuds that can go on for centuries. Wrath may persist long after the person who did another grievous wrong is dead. Feelings of wrath can manifest in different ways, including impatience, hateful misanthropy, hating people, which is something I understand, revenge, and self-destructive behavior. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the natural act of anger becomes the sin of wrath when it is directed against an innocent person, when it is unduly strong or long-lasting, or when it desires excessive punishment. 
goes on to say here, quote, if anger reaches the point of a deliberate desire to kill or seriously wound a neighbor, it is gravely against charity. It is a mortal sin. Hatred is the sin of desiring that someone else may suffer misfortune or evil, and is a mortal sin when one desires grave harm. I'm going to take a brief pause here and just go over the irony in all that. Considering that's coming from the Catholic Church, people who traditionally hate gay people for no reason, literally no reason, and they wish the worst possible harm upon them. So yeah, people always go, well, the Bible says this, and then they act accordingly to what they believe that represents. Yet, one of the seven deadly sins is wrath, where you're not supposed to hate people. Yeah, just pointing that out. Anyway, continuing on, people feel angry when they sense that they or someone they care about has been offended. When they are certain about the nature and cause of the angering event, when they are certain someone else is responsible, and when they feel they can influence the situation or cope with it. In her introduction to Purgatory, Dorothy L. Sayers describes wrath as, quote, love of justice perverted to revenge and spite. In accordance with Henry Edward, angry people are, quote, slaves to themselves. Now, if we look a little more in-depth at the Catholic system of the seven deadly sins and wrath in particular, it describes wrath as one of the passions, as movements of the sensitive appetite, there is neither good nor evil. The neutral act of anger becomes a sin when wrath is directed against an innocent person, as we've discussed. However, medieval Christianity vigorously denounced wrath as one of the seven cardinal or deadly sins, but some Christian writers of the time regarded the anger caused by injustice as having some value. Saint Basil viewed anger as a reprehensible temporary madness. Joseph F. Delaney in the Catholic Encyclopedia of 1914 defines anger as the quote, desire of vengeance, unquote, and states that a reasonable vengeance and passion is ethical and praiseworthy. Vengeance is sinful when it exceeds its limits, in which case it becomes opposed to justice and charity. For example, quote, vengeance upon one who has not deserved it, or to a greater extent than it has been deserved, or in conflict with the disposition of laws, or from an improper motive, are all sinful. An unduly vehement vengeance is considered a venial sin, unless it seriously goes countered by the love of God for one's neighbors. So basically, it's okay to hurt somebody so long as you love the next a little bit more. And that's Catholic logic for you. AKA there isn't any. Jesus. A more positive view of anger is from the Roman Catholic pastoral theologian Henry J.M. Nguyen. Father Nguyen points to the spiritual benefits in anger toward God as found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible. In the Bible, says Father Nguyen, quote, it is clear that only by expressing our anger and hatred directly to God will we come to know the fullness of both his love 
and our freedom. George Bernanos illustrates Nguyen's position in his novel, The Diary of a County Priest. The Countess gives birth to the son he had long wanted, but the child died. She was fiercely angry. When the priest called, the Countess vented her anger towards her daughter and her husband. Then at the priest who responded gently, Open your heart to God. Then Countess rejoined, I've ceased to bother about God when you've forced me to admit that I hate him. Will you be any better off? The priest added, You no longer hate him. Hate is indifferent and contempt. Now, at least, your face to face with him. Shake your fist at him. Spit in his face. Scourge him. The countess did what the priest counseled. By confessing her hate, she was enabled to say, All is well. I mean, that's just letting off steam. Have you ever had a fight with your spouse, partner, significant other, family member, whomever? And then, once you get all that shit out of your system, it's all cool and kosher again? Happens all the time. All the time. Look at bar fights. Bar fights are the perfect example. Hockey fights, another one. I mean, I grew up in Canada, so these things are like, what are you doing on Tuesday night? Oh, I'm going to go play some hockey and then get in a bar fight. That's kind of what happens. And then you go for a beer with them after. You get all that shit out of your system, and then you're best friends. But that's what the Catholic Church has to stay on. Wrath, which I think is one of the most hypocritical of all the sins. Except for maybe the next one. The next one we have up. And the last one on our journey to the seven deadly sins is pride. Pride is considered on almost every list the original and most serious of the seven deadly sins. Out of the seven, it is the most angelical or demonic. It is also thought to be the source of the other capital sins, also known as hubris or futility. It is identified as dangerously corrupt selfishness. I just want to point out that somebody with a very tiny PB just turned on a very loud car in my parking lot, so I apologize that you might hear a little bit of a rumbling in the background because I've been waiting for a few minutes and he doesn't want to drive away either, so fuck this guy. Okay, now that he's gone, I paused in the recording, just a little bit behind the scenes editing there. Not so much editing. Anyway, continuing on with pride, it is identified as dangerously corrupt selfishness, as I think I said. The putting of one's own desires urges wants and whims before the welfare of other people. In even more destructive cases, it is irrationally believed that one is essentially and necessarily better, superior, or more important than others. Failing to acknowledge the accomplishment of others, and excessive admiration of the personal image or self, especially forgetting one's own lack of divinity and refusing to acknowledge one's own limits, faults, or wrongs as a human being. And we have a quote from Alexander Pope. What the weak head with strong bias rules is pride, the never-failing vice of fools. As pride has been labeled the father of all sins, it has been deemed the devil's most prominent trait. C.S. Lewis writes in Mere Christianity that pride is the anti-god state, the position in which the ego and the self are directly opposed to God. Unchastely, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere 
Fleabite in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-god state of the mind. Pride is understood to sever the spirit from God as well as his life and grace-giving presence. One can be prideful for different reasons. Author Ichabod Spencer states that spiritual pride is the worst kind of pride, if not worst snare of the devil. The heart is particularly deceitful on this one thing. Jonathan Edwards said, remember that pride is the worst viper that is in the heart, the greatest disturber of the soul's peace and sweet communion with Christ. It was the first sin that ever was and lies lowest in the foundation of Satan's whole building and is the most difficult to root out and is the most hidden, secret, and deceitful of all lusts and often creeps in insensibly into the midst of religion and sometimes under the disguise of humility. In ancient Athens, hubris was considered one of the greatest crimes and was used to refer to the insolent contempt that can cause ones to use violence to shame the victim. This sense of hubris could also characterize rape. Aristotle defined hubris as shaming the victim not because of anything that happened to the committer or might have happened to the committer, but merely for the committer's own gratification. The words connotations changed somewhat over time, with some additional emphasis towards a gross overestimation of one's abilities. The term has been used to analyze and make sense of the actions of contemporary heads of government by Ian Kershaw in 1998 and Peter Benart in 2010, and in a much more psychological manner by David Owen in 2012. In this context, the term has been used to describe how certain leaders, when put to positions of immense power, seem to become irrationally self-confident in their own abilities, increasingly reluctant to listen to the vice of others and progressively more impulsive in their actions. Dante's definition of pride was, quote, love of self perverted to hatred and contempt for one's neighbor. Pride is generally associated with the absence of humility. In accordance with the Sirach, author's wording, the heart of a proud man is, quote, like the partridge in its cage, acting as a decoy, like a spy he watches for your weakness. He changes good things into evil. He lays his traps, just as a spark sets coals on a fire. The wicked man prepares his snares in order to draw blood. Beware of the wicked man, for he is planning evil. He might devour you forever." Unquote. That's a hell of a quote, by the way. In another chapter, he says that the acquisitive man is not content with what he has. Wicked injustice shrivels the heart. And good old Benjamin Franklin even had a word to say on this. Quote, in reality, there is perhaps no one of our natural possessions so hard to subdue as pride. Disguise it, struggle with it, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases. It is still alive and will every now and then peep out and show itself. You will see it, perhaps often in this history. 
for even if I conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. Interesting take. There are indeed those people who are so humble, so full of humility, that they are actually proud of it. Which is ironic, like basically everything the seven deadly sins have to offer. Joseph Addison states that, quote, there is no passion that steals into the heart more imperceptibly and covers itself under more disguises than pride. The proverb, quote, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's from the book of Proverbs 1618. And it is thought to sum up the modern use of pride. Pride is also referred to as the pride that blinds, as it often causes a committer of pride to act in a foolish way that belie common sense. In other words, the modern definition may be thought of as, quote, that pride that goes just before the fall. In his two-volume biography of Adolf Hitler, Ian Kershaw uses both hubris and nemesis as the titles. The first volume, Hubris, describes Hitler and his early life and rise to political power. The second nemesis gives great detail into Hitler's role in the Second World War and concludes with his fall and suicide in 1945. Much of the 10th and part of the 11th chapter of the Book of Sirach discusses and advises about pride, hubris, and who is rationally worthy of honor. It goes as such. Do not store a presentment against your neighbor, no matter what his offense. Do nothing in a fit of anger. Pride is odious to both God and man. Injustice is abhorrent to both of them. Do not reprehend anyone unless you have been first fully informed. Consider the case first and thereafter make your reapproach. Do not reply before you've listened. Do not meddle in the disputes of sinners. My child, do not undertake too many activities. If you keep adding them, you will not be without reapproach. If you run after them, you will not succeed, nor will you ever be free, although you try to escape. And that is from Sirach 10, 6, 31, and 11, 1, 10. And I think that's a good spot to end our look at pride and the seven deadly sins in general. Now, over the course of the past few months going over these different sins, all I can say is that you don't need religion, you don't need commandments, you don't need the fear of going to hell for eternal punishment to be a good person. A lot of these sins directly contradict natural human, natural animalistic, natural blank, whatever behavior. People are greedy, people have emotions, people get angry, people are prideful, people get horny, people want more food. These are all natural emotions. What these sins do, in my opinion, is try to control people. And that is what religion often boils down to. Who in power can control the most amount of people? What can we do to make them bend to our will? If we can get them to do one thing, we can get them to do another. And that's all this is. 
The church is the greediest organization. The Catholic Church, I should say, is the greediest organization on the planet. They're tax exempt. They ask for donations. They're worth billions of dollars. Name another organization throughout history more vengeful, more wrathful than the Catholic Church. Conquering lands, destroying religions, committing genocides. I mean, that says it all. And have you ever met a Christian or a Catholic who has not used the term, I'm a proud Catholic, I'm a proud Christian? Again, that's a sin, according to them, right? Anyway, I don't want to bash too much on religion or the church in general. If it makes you happy, do it. It does not make me happy. It makes me wrathful to think about. However... That's kind of not the point of this podcast. It was just sort of to educate you on what the seven deadly sins were and maybe throw in a little bit of hypocrisy in there as well. But that's going to do it for me. I will hopefully be back next week and maintain a more steady schedule. I have some stuff I want to talk about and some interesting topics I've come across during my, we'll call it a sabbatical. So until next week, if you like what you heard this week though, do feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Reviews are the best way to get this out, essentially. The more reviews it has, the higher it shows up, and the better it makes me feel. And any five-star reviews will be read out on the show. So that's always fun. It's a great way to get a shout-out. Beyond that, feel free to follow along on social media, even though I don't stay super active on there, but you can check it out on Twitter, at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, on Instagram at Ominous Origins Pod, or on Facebook at Horror Shots. I look forward to hearing what you have to say, and, you know, if you are a religious person, and you are very upset with what I've had to say this week, feel free to let me know as well. We can have a nice discussion about it. So, with that all said, until next time. <laughs>